Good morning, Gunners. My name is Grab, and welcome once again to another episode of the Rip Roaring Reds podcast. Uh, you're joining me on a Wednesday morning. There is no Jason. He is off jet-setting himself around the world doing his thing. So you've got to listen to my dulcet tones, unfortunately. Uh, if you're joining me for the first time, uh, welcome to the channel. Really would appreciate any likes and subscribes. Turn that notification bell on to get alerted when our next video goes live. And today we're going to be talking about Nottingham Forest losing to Arsenal 2 1. We're going to be talking about Jinchenko. We're going to be talking about Smith Rowe. We're going to be talking about Jesus. And we're going to be getting maybe into some of the patterns that emerged during this game that are maybe not necessarily time for concern, but certainly something that is maybe worrying with games ahead. So let me get into the intro music and then we'll get going. Right, we're going to start this episode off, but we start off every episode. It's the Rip Roar Review, and it's over to... Oh, no, it's not over to Jace. It's straight over to me. Uh, you know, what can I say? There's That was almost a perfect result and um, despite maybe some last minute jitters and worries in that last 10 minutes and Boris did get a goal back it was almost a perfect result heading into what will be probably a defining moment of our season we're going to face Liverpool this weekend with two points currently behind them you know it all could change uh tonight when they play Chelsea but let's just say that you know a win here and a win there really does put us back firmly into the mixing bowl of that title challenge. And, you know, Forest is not an easy ground to go to. And they really do have their tails up when they play at home. Their crowd, really, really good, really, really supportive. And it really did prove to be a challenge for us towards the end. You know, this, this team have beaten United and they've beaten Villa at uh, the city ground. And so it's not easy. And we, we have lost uh, a few on the road already this season. And so I wasn't coming into this game with, with much optimism. I hoped and expected that we would win. But I, you know, it's never going to be easy. And I don't think they did make us easy the last 10 minutes. But let's not, you know, batter, beat around the bush. For 80 to 85 minutes of that game, we were in, once again, absolute total control we controlled we contained them we literally gave them no sniff of the ball for anybody that is interested in field tilt uh the first half field tilt was somewhere in the region of 97.5 percent um they literally just could not get hold of the ball and i'll talk a little bit later about why that's maybe not a great thing for us and really the game turned on its head when we actually started to give them a bit of time and a bit of space but the match really did open up. Uh, Jesus, having wasted some chances earlier in the game, put that ball home and, and really changed the game and the dynamic of that game. Um, and for him, I'll talk about him in detail a bit later, but he he's kind of back to where I think we need him at his best, albeit not necessarily free scoring. I suppose some really good key points to take away from this game in terms of what we would look at for the games ahead, ESR back into the squad in the starting as the left eight position. Go talk about him later as well. You know, for me, a fantastic thing to do. I think a reward of his um, 
time in training, Arteta has obviously recognised that he started to elevate himself and is pushing himself in training and deserve that start. We'll talk about him. But, you know, I think overall, this is a game that is not easy on paper. We made it look easy when we watched it. We won 2-1. We're heading into a, a real big clash at the top of the title. Um, and I also think that, you know, looking at some of the other results uh, from last night, you know, Aston Villa losing to Newcastle, I think, you know, they, they've started to drop off. So that's another interesting ripple into that top four. Um, but yeah, really, really good result. Really, really happy. And I think we move on now um, to probably what will be the most important game of the season. Right, let me get started then with the topics. The first one we're going to talk about is Zinchenko. I've called this Zinni Redemption 2 because we did talk about some uh, redemption in previous podcasts because Zinchenko, for me, this was a man of the match performance, in my opinion. I've, I've heard and read some other, uh, I suppose, breakdown of Zinchenko's play during this game as being relatively slow. He slowed the pace down incredibly. And even my I found myself at times screaming at the television, asking the game to be sped up, to increase the pace, to move the ball faster. But Zinchenko really did seem to offer an element of calm, an element of peace and tranquility. He would he would kind of shift the ball and be much more, uh, I suppose, um, direct and specific with his passes. So he would wait for the right moment. He wasn't forcing the issue. He was waiting for those moments to kind of, um, come up, and I do feel that this was, um, despite maybe not doing quite enough um, for the goal. And you know, we, we've talked about some of his defensive shortcomings in previous podcasts for the for the type of player that he is. He's not necessarily the most uh, defensively sound uh, left back, but what he he brings to this team in his complete free reign and complete autonomy with his role is integral to how this team is set up, is integral to our system. In the absence of Thomas Partey, um, and like hopefully he'll be back very, very soon, but in the absence of him, Zinchenko is effectively our line breaker. He's our connector. He's our passer. Um, I know there's some arguments to be had that Declan Rice doesn't progress the ball enough, despite having statistics to the contrary. Zinchenko is that player. You give him the ball in that centre circle, and he connects the play. He pushes it out wide, or he's very direct. And I don't think our system and our play works without him. Um, and I feel he was incredible today in his gameplay, in his approach. And yes, I do feel that he could have been faster, but I do feel that some of that methodicalness in his play is actually what we need. Um, and I was surprised, well, I suppose not surprised to see Jesus pick up the man of the match performance because obviously he got a goal and an assist. And those, you know, at the end of the day, when you're winning 2 1, those are the things that as a crowd, as a critic, as a pundit, you're going to remember. Um, but for me, everything went through Zinchenko. Everything we tried to release went through him. And even um, the uh, second goal, uh, where the throw in, you know, it was his once again quick thinking from that throw-in that really did mean that we we pushed on and kind of did what we needed to do. Most people also call out a little running at the end with Ben White, you know, and uh, the, the manager kind of said that that's pushing each other, you know, although the whole team's not happy conceding, he wants to encourage and, and promote that kind of behaviour, but in the right way. You know, sometimes after the game, he said it's emotional, gets heated. He loves that in the players. You know, some I, I reckon some uh, madness will be made out of this in in tabloids, in the media, about there's there's problems in the dressing room. They're up against it, but really, I see this as professionals pushing professionals. 
Um, and like I said, it gets quite heated, quite emotional um, at the at the death of that game. And, you know, it could have gone every which way. I don't necessarily think that Shinchenko showered himself in any glory with his, um, well, first he played him on side and then he jumped up for a header, which he didn't win. But Saliba also played a part in this where he got turned incredibly easy. And, you know, Aweoni is a very, very strong player, but could have done better. And, you know, for... The thing is, the way that we play football and the level in which we play football requires such an intense level of concentration for 90 minutes. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, you know, We have to forgive some of those shortcomings in the fact that the way in which we play football and control games, like for 85 minutes of this game, Nottingham Forest literally did not have a sniff of the ball, didn't worry Arsenal whatsoever. And that's because of how we play. And that elite mentality... It's difficult to keep up for 90 minutes, but I think Shinchenko did incredibly well. And I, I want to kind of give him his flowers because really we need him if Party is not going to be fit. And, you know, if he did Party, I, I was anticipating that if Party got some minutes during this game, he, he would start against Liverpool. A Party Rice double pivot is going to be incredibly hard for them to break down. And something that their midfield, which I feel is quite paper thin at the moment, is something that we would have liked and needed and I think would have been really uh, useful to us if we were going to come away with the three points. But after seeing that Zinchenko performance, I'm less worried about the absence of Thomas Party, and hopefully that he can come into that game and hopefully those defensive shortcomings don't come back uh, to bite us. Right, let's move on. I'm going to talk about uh, the next topic, which is Gabriel. Jesus, uh, the topic was called. They say he walks on water because the crowd were in full singing voice. Um, and he has had some difficulties of late. You know, there's been a lot of critics out there that would argue that Gabby Jesus is not the right player. You know, on this pod, on other pods, The Athletic, BBC, lots of different articles. Everyone's made a, a huge, huge, huge deal of the fact that Arsenal need a striker. And that striker is probably going to be Ivan Tony. And I came out of this match then posing the question, and if Jason was here, I would pose to him, I truly wonder if an out-and-out striker is the answer. Because this game in particular for Jesus was, was, and it showed him at his best, you know, I think Jason would be probably uh, writing letters of apology because he has obviously put together this idea that, you know, we, we love Jesus for the things he he does do, but we can't forgive him for the things he can't do. And those things he can't do are score goals. In this game, you know, I, th- I feel he answered those critics. He came away with a goal and an assist. And ultimately, we won the game because of him. And Debbie Jesus, he's at his best when he looks like he's having fun. And in this game, he was brimming with confidence. He kept himself in the game. He kept on pushing for that goal. And, you know, when he smashed it against the post after what I would say is one of the best moves of the game, when he smashed it against the post, for me, my head would have gone down. I would have lost all confidence and just believed that it wasn't going to happen. And obviously in his own mentality, he he really kind of kept kept it together. He kept believing. He kept pushing. And he, uh, I think the most in, in impressive thing to me out of this performance from Gabi Jesus was the fact that he was a Swiss army knife of a player. He was up left. He was at right. He was dropping in deep. He was pushing up top. He was literally everywhere. 
that and that free-flowing kind of uh, Gabby Jesus is imperative to how we play football. And that's why I, I would ask the question, is a striker the right answer? The way in which we play the intricate balls, we, we don't necessarily play the ball behind too often. We don't try and do those breaking passes too often. I think we're, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer becomes um, a boxer. And uh, he he just takes all the punishment for for ninety minutes to try and then counter at the end or at least push his opponent over. I kind of feel we do that with our passing. We kind of uh, lure teams into a false sense of security, hoping that they make a mistake where we can break them down. And we don't necessarily use what I deem as a, an out and out number nine. I'm not too sure that would necessarily fit into the way we play football currently. I feel we'd have to change up our system in order to accommodate a player of that nature and that ilk. And, you know, Gabby Jesus, for what he offers to the team, and this game was a, a, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel that we've seen with some of his performances. It was really, really good. My concern maybe is that he can do that against some of the teams that are not as good at playing without the ball. Um, I, I, I have to give some kudos to uh, Nottingham Forest during this game because they defended incredibly well. Um, another 11 men behind the ball, another low block that... Arsenal found difficult to break down and actually I, I would I would accommodate to say that we did find it difficult to break down but the fact of the matter is that I felt we broke this down quicker than we have in previous games I think that for me is one of the um things I, I kind of look out for and you know commonly if we came to a game and we're in 70 80 minutes and we haven't broken down that low block yet then I've kind of conceded myself to say that we're going to either draw or lose this game because we just it's just not going to happen I was really happy that at least in this game we were able to break down that block much much quicker and that wasn't through anything else other than I think Gabby Jesus continued knocking at the door continued pressure continued playing the way he plays football bringing other players into the game intricate link-up play and I think he had a great performance. He did deserve his man of the match What that he was given. I, I would just say that, you know, as a striker, this is the kind of thing that I expect him to do. You know, Jinchenko is a left back. It's not necessarily the game that I would suspect him to play, but he plays it incredibly well. You know, with Liverpool on the horizon, having both of those players at their best is really good for us um, and hoping that he kind of continues in that form uh, heading in uh, to the game at the weekend. Let's move on then. Uh, the left eight. I was going to call this left eight dilemma, but I didn't put called it left eight dilemma because I'm not too sure it is a dilemma. And I'm also curious as to who will start against Liverpool. But let's um, let's talk about Emil Smith Rowe first of all. A dream return back into the starting eleven. Um, he got about seventy minutes. And he got a deserved start. I would feel there's been a lot of talk about his continued effort and pressure in training, doing the right thing, keeping his head up, and really wanting to play his game. We talked before of the potential cold shoulder that he's got. And I wonder if uh, Arteta is softening, if he is warming. You know, I saw some uh, posts on Twitter yesterday that talked a lot about uh, Arteta loves ESR. And I really can't understand where that type of terminology comes from, because we all know when Arteta gives you the cold shoulder, you are out in the cold. And, and Arteta has done that with ESR for, for many, many, many months. Um, but maybe he is softening because he obviously did get the start here. I feel a deserved start. And he offers something incredibly different to Kai Havertz. I feel they're two very, very different players. ESR, he's much more dynamic. He, he loves the ball at his feet. 
he can make those runs. He is much better at link-up play. He's much faster. I feel that the ball moves significantly quicker with him on the pitch than it does with Kai Havertz. Havertz is much more of a, a controlling, breaking up the play. Like Our second goal eventually came from the fact that Kai Havertz had broken up the play and headed the ball away. And so his, his height difference is something that against certain teams and certain offerings would be a, a better uh, tool to use than Emil Smith-Rowe. But I really do feel in this game, Emil Smith-Rowe, he definitely, I mean, I, I want to first, firstly say towards the end, he looked like he might have picked up a bit of a knock. He seemed to be moving a bit gingerly. And I really hope, because this is, you know, I, I don't want to say it, touch wood, wear some wood on the touch the desk. We had this problem with Jack Wilshere as it would kind of ebb and flow between greatness and injury. And eventually it came to pass that he was never going to become the player that we all hoped and expected him to be. And I, I worry somewhat for Emil Smith-Rowe's uh, career development, played with injury so far, and does seem to kind of fade in and out of the squad and of the team. And that, for me, is probably one of the most worrying things. It's like... He, he did look like he picked up a little knock again towards the end. And maybe this is Arteta not wanting to rush him back into the squad and probably with um, due course as well. But during this game, making some incredibly interesting runs, really, really involved, a lot more energy than what Havertz has to offer. His, his link-up play down that left-hand side was, for me, um, some of the best we've seen us play football. Um, I'll talk a little bit later about Arsenal searching for what would be the perfect goal and how that maybe is a problem for us. But, you know, I feel, I, I think Havertz comes in against Liverpool just because Liverpool are the type of side that I think are going to need Havertz's break-up play, his heights and his, um, I suppose, more uh, calm influence on the ball when compared to Emil Smith-Rowe, but we'll see. I also kind of think maybe that injury, if it is one, might play into that decision-making as well. But I do want to just call out ESR and say he had a good game. I think it was deserved. I think he played incredibly well for this, the, the situation, for the circumstance. And I'm happy that Hale Ender is, you know, is making his way and breaking back into that squad. Because for me, that is probably one of the key elements of this. We all love Hamill Smith Rowe. We've got to sing the song again, which is very, very rare. Um, and I feel that, you know, there, there's more from him to come for the rest of the season. If he can really get back to scoring as well and, and give us maybe five goals towards the end of the season, those five goals are going to be incredibly important in our position in the table towards April, May time. And I'm hoping that at least now we've got another player in the mixer who can push and challenge other players on the pitch for a starting berth. And, you know, there's nothing but good things that can come from that, I think, for Arsenal. Let's talk about his uh, counterpart then in Bukayo Saka because I have probably been one of his biggest critics on this podcast over the last few months to talk about how he's just not looked like the Bukayo Saka that we know and love. But Saka scored a goal today and after that goal, his celebration felt different to me. It felt like he'd activated a different mode in the Bukayo Saka that we know and love. Usually after scoring, he's beaming with pride and happiness, a big smile on his face. He is the uh, the bubbly, the lovely, the dynamic guy that you see when he's interviewed. But he looks cold. He looked aggressive. He looked angry. He looks maybe somewhat villainous. And I like that about Bukayo Saka. I really do want to find some of that killer instinct inside of him. Maybe he kind of 
found some of that during this game because he looked lively from the start. There was a lot going down that right-hand side. And Ben White was also doing some really good link-up play with Bakayo Saka. And I really feel this could be a bit of a return to form. And, you know, for 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 someone who uh, people would deem as having a bad season, with 10 goals and 10 assists in all competitions in now two consecutive seasons, he's the first since Alexis Sanchez to do that. Thanks to Dr. Joe uh, for that stat. But his involvement even despite having what many would call a quiet season, is quite incredible. I'd quite happily take quiet seasons at 10 goals and assists in all competitions, and we're in not even in February yet. Um, part of Bukayo Saka's game in this game that I found particularly interesting was the switch-up. With Smith-Rowe, there were occasions where both of them were switched sides just to try something different. And actually, I feel that some of our best play came from the fact that we were able to switch it up and able to try something different and the fact that Saka can probably do that more in trusting with Emil Smith-Rowe than maybe he could with Havertz was good, was good for us. It means we can try and, um, like I've said, a, a deep block is something that we've struggled to unlock. This could be another key that we try to unlock it with. Um, and it's I'm hopeful that um, you know Saka is beaming with confidence heading into a Liverpool game, which is of the utmost importance that he is back to his you know best and firing best. Um, you know, Bukayo Saka is the, the linchpin of this team. Everything flows through him, regardless of whether he's scoring or not. There's a lot to be said about his cutting, his shots, and we'll talk a little bit about shots in a minute. Um, but Bukayo Saka being at his best is incredibly important to Arsenal. And I feel that this is a, a return to form for him and hopefully he can kick on against Liverpool and bring us back the three points there as well. I've, I've actually been incredibly uh, positive so far, so let's bring the mood down. <laughs> it's um, areas of concern, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, I don't know, some a game of two halves, maybe. Let's let's have a look at it that way. Let me talk about the, the, the first half. And for me, I, I wrote down a note to basically say, if anybody's looked at the definition of insanity, it's doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result. And we've become incredibly predictable, and incredibly uh, easy to kind of understand of how we play. Our, our sideways balls across the midfield to try and find space and gaps to exploit that simply don't either happen. And we were fortunate in some cases during this game that, you know, a bit of luck did go away. I do feel that Jesus's goal could have been saved by Turner. You know, he did go straight through the legs. Um, and if that didn't go in, maybe the result of this game could have been a little bit different. But we just we just don't take enough risks. We're incredibly sideways. We don't take enough risks. We certainly don't take enough shots, or at least uh, get our shots on target. So I say that because I looked at the stats. We had 19 shots, and only three of them on target. And I'd be hard pushed beyond uh, Jesus is hitting the post and the goals to reflect and remember an opportunity that actually felt like something could have happened, because I don't feel that there were many, particularly in this first half. Um, and the interesting for me, like like I said at the start, we, we totally controlled this game. We didn't even give them a sniff. We didn't even give them any opportunity in in having the ball and playing the way that Nottingham Forest wanted to play. They they had literally nothing. But that all kind of changed up. And I wonder if Arteta tactically had switched something or given them some advice at halftime that really changed our approach to this game. Because when we 
when we sat off the ball a bit more and gave them and allowed us a little bit more space in this game, we, we, we you know, we widened those gaps. We gave them more of the ball and allowed them to get a bit of a feel for the game. That's when it opened up. When we were in less control of this game is actually when we felt more in control of this game, at least from a, a score standpoint. When we were doing that space, we were we were having quicker movement. We were moving the ball. We were striking the ball more. We varied our playing positions. Like I said, there was you know there was Saka switching with Emma Smith Rowe, Martinelli and Saka both became a little bit more central on occasion. Jesus was moving around a lot more around the pitch and getting himself in different positions. And those those small tweaks made a a big difference for us in reality. And I feel that the first half was really really cagey, really really tentative, really risk averse. And the same, like I said earlier, I think if I'd got to 80 minutes and it was still nil-nil and we were playing the way that we were playing, we weren't going to win this game. That goal was not going to come. And the second half really opened up for us. We took, I feel we took more risks. We played a bit more dynamic football. We tried to open up in different ways a little bit more and try to change up our approach. I don't know whether Arteta consciously made the changes to kind of have a look at how the game had played out in the first half and then to change it in the second half. Some of those little tactical switches that he probably did make really did change it. And I suppose the thing I wanted to call out here, it just felt a bit, the first half felt like the Arsenal of old. It was, we were trying to walk it in. We were trying to score that perfect goal. It happened three or four times. You know, we are trying to recreate that moment of Jack Wilshere against Norwich City, where they score almost the the perfect, the perfect goal. That's what we're always after. We try and there's a joke I feel I said this before. It was in the IT crowd, where ah uh, the problem is with Arsenal, they always try and walk it in, and it used to be something that really stuck with us back in the late '90s to early 2000s, and it really seemed to resonate a little bit here as well. We were just, it's like we get allergic reaction or scared whenever we get on the outside or inside that box. It's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how, what I'm supposed to do. And we even seem scared to shoot. Some of our decision-making in that moment is incredible. I mean, if, if anybody's seen me play football, there's not many of you would have. Um, I hate shooting because I'm always scared of missing because it probably happens far too often. As a striker, as a winger, you know, even Martin Odegaard, I would say, during this game, I don't know where he's lost his shoe and boots. He needs to get those predators off uh, Jesus if he's not got them already. He just seems scared to to do the things that he's been doing so many times before and putting those goals away. I mean, I would admit that Nottingham Forest did some fantastic blocks, some fantastic defensive work during this game to maybe block some of the chances that we had. But I just don't feel we took those opportunities enough. So there's a little bit of creeping doubt for me that some of the same patterns are emerging from this game as, as in previous games. I think I said earlier that I was I was happy that at least we'd unlocked some of those problems earlier than we had in previous games and that we didn't wait the entire 80 minutes to try something new, to try our luck, and then find it was too late to get the result. At least in this game, we got the result we needed and we got it earlier than expected. It's to bring those moments much, much closer to the left. And, and you know, I think in our first half, despite dominating this game, absolutely entirely like I said the field tilt was almost at 100% we didn't create enough we didn't take enough chances we didn't take enough risks and ultimately that could have cost us had Jesus not put that goal away uh, and put us 1-0 up and really put us back in the driving seat of this game because that game certainly opened up a lot more after that moment right that's all the bits I wanted to talk about I do feel like like I say really really positive although a little bit of creeping doubts coming in uh, towards the end 
Um, for the parking lot, nothing major other than the fact that Arsenal are not going to do any business in January. But if you look around, nobody else is really doing much business either. So I think I'm pretty comfortable and happy that we're going to move into the latter half of the season with the squad that we've got. Let's provide they all stay fit and healthy. Liverpool the weekends, uh, myself uh, and Jason will be going to that game. So I am incredibly excited uh, for that game. Don't ask me again at 90 minutes unless we win. But let's see. I think I think it's going to be quite a cagey affair. I think we're going to be really, we're going to try and be dominant on the ball. And that's going to be difficult against Liverpool side who are very good at that too. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think I think we're going to come away with a win. I think it's going to be um, a one-goal lead, either a 1-0 or a 2-1. I expect Liverpool to score, to be honest, and so 2-1 probably feels more likely to me. But it's exciting times ahead. You know, we win that game and we, if say Liverpool lose tonight, that puts us top. Now, not to say that uh, I'm not putting any faith and trust in a Chelsea side that kind of can't find any rhythm whatsoever, but stranger things have happened. And, you know, they don't have uh, Salah. I think they're getting Trent back, who is just coming back from a big injury as well. So let's see how that goes. But fingers crossed we can go into this game at the weekend. Even if Liverpool are still five clear, that would put us within touching distance. So super, super excited. Really looking forward to that game. Myself and Jason, let's see. He'll be... The game's on Sunday and Jason will be travelling back from the States on Sunday to go straight to the game. So I don't not envy his uh, jet lag tiredness during this game. I'm sure he's going to be a bit sombre, but um, I'm sure the Arsenal will bring him back to life. And we're back podding, uh, hopefully on Sunday or Monday, where we can talk to you again about that game. So if we don't speak to you again before that, have a great week. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Rip Roar and Reds. Please do like and subscribe. If you're not already uh, a listener on our your podcast provider of choice, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Do leave us a five-star review there. They're all five stars so far, so please don't ruin it for us uh, yet. And if you're on YouTube, please do write a comment, give us a like. Please do subscribe to the channel. It really does help us grow this community and grow this channel. And we'll see you again very soon. Go!